Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Let's do this. <laughs> so we are, uh, you know, we're we're right on top of, of this big election. Senate, President, Congress, District ju- 475 district judges. I early voted. And the ballot yes. in Texas is like seven pages long. Yeah, and only have you the, early voted? I I have second day of voting. I I went and it was yeah, it was crickets. It was not. It's, it was never that big. I don't remember in Georgia the ballots being that big oh, no. and that long. I I don't remember that, yeah. and it could have been, and I just forgot it, flushed it out of my memory. <laughs> but um, so would you say Pat Robertson is trending? Pat Robertson is trending. Because he said that God told him that Trump will win the re-election and it will trigger the beginning of the end times. God also told, what was that other guy's name, that he needed $60 million for a new uh, G5 jet or whatever? Kenneth Copeland? Or no, that oh, was Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis. I think it was like his fifth jet. So God told him that. And then what was the guy who, uh, <laughs> Oral Roberts, who said God wanted him to build a 60-foot tall Jesus or he yeah. would take him to heaven? Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. At Oral Roberts University? I, I remember that, yeah. And he had to raise all that money for that 60-foot-tall Jesus. Look, yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I got my feet propped up during the podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> He's real relaxed. I got, I got um, I, I'm not going to say, you know, <laughs> belittle anybody that says God's talking to them, but I, I do know that there uh, is, is a way in the Scripture that God speaks to people and it's not about these types of things that people say God is speaking to them about. I'm just going to put this out there and I probably, you know, people can get mad or not. Um, whenever God speaks to people, God is always speaking to people about things that bring glory to God mm. or that point back to God, not to a person, not to a jet, not to a statue. So for me, and again, um, if God's if God is speaking, the test for me, if it's really God speaking, is how does it point back to give glory to God and God alone? So when Gideon is out and called by God to battle against the, the, the adversaries, and he says, well, I need to make sure it's you, God, so he puts out the fleece. He says, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And then the next day he's like, well, now make the fleece dry and the ground wet. You know, so he puts these signals out and God answers the signals and speaks to him. But God also says, I want you to get rid of like 90% of your army because when you win, I want you to know that it's not you that won, that it's me that won the battle. So when I look at the ways that God speaks in the scripture, I don't see it reflective or manifest in any of these ways that Pat Robertson or Jesse Duplantis or... Oral Roberts, um, you know, to me, that's, I think they just, I think they need to listen a little bit more. I think they're, I, I, that's all I'm saying. Can I be nice about that? I mean, like. You're being, I, real, you're being, too, you're being a lot nicer than I'm going to be. Nice. I think Jeff Cause he said, my cause mic he, over here. Because Pat Robertson said if, if Trump is going to get elected and it's going to usher in the end times. That's not an, a resounding endorsement for Trump, I don't think. Is it? I don't know. It's weird, right? It's a weird thing. I mean, I guess if you want the end times to happen, I don't know. And this is on Pat Robertson, not on me and you. I mean, don't don't get mad at me. Um, he also claimed in 1976 that the world was going to end in October of 82. 
and then in 1990 it did that's after the doobie brothers broke up (laughs) (laughs) the world has never been (laughs) the world has never been the same (laughs) jesus is still all right oh yeah i'm just saying (laughs) then in 1990 he wrote a book that said the world would be destroyed in april of 2007 he really is just jonesing for the world to end i don't understand that no, well, I don't. I don't really know why he's so, why he's so excited about the world ending. I kind of. I mean, look, I'm I'm ready to go to heaven whenever God wants to call me. But you know, and I'm getting older, and body's aching, and you know, things aren't great, and it's tough, and a lot of anxiety. But I kind of like I kind of like this world. Yeah, I think it's I, okay. Yeah, I like to make it to retirement. Yeah, and then and then I'm done. <laughs> Maybe that's where all the money's made in ministry. I just didn't know it. Maybe in you just got to write books about the world ending next week. Yeah, and then tweet about how the world's going to end right on the heels of your book. I don't think I've leveraged the private jet thing enough. No, you haven't, John. I don't think I've leveraged it at all. I think that's why God I think has it, called could me I just, to chapel to help you leverage your private could, jet. So instead of the private jet, could I just maybe like a, <laughs> how about a convertible Ford Mustang GT 5.0? Can yeah. we just leverage? That's way cheaper than a G5. And how will that help your ministry? I think that's important. Oh, well, I mean, when people see me driving through the neighborhoods with my flowing locks in the wind, and I'm just, I'm going to put one of those laminated stickers for, you know, Jesus on the side. Yeah. I think I'm going to have, I think after this podcast, there's going to be 10 people lined up to buy that Mustang. <laughs> I think, I, I mean. We can start a pledge drive for it. I'm not even, I'm not even going to joke that God said that to me because, no, I way. just can't do that. <laughs> All right, so um, we had these great signs that we uh, gave our members, which I thought were really, because, you know, everybody has these political signs in their yard. And, of course, then there's all this argument about people stealing their signs or whatever, I don't know. But we pulled this, in, this uh, the, the teaching from John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church in the 18th century, and it was just these little yard signs, advice on voting. And there were just three little points. One, vote for the person you judge most worthy. Two, speak no evil against the candidates. And three, see God's worth in people who vote differently than you. And so we put this out on social media, and we put them out in the church on the campus by the entrances. And this thing has just gone crazy. I mean, people put them in their yards, like if they don't have a campaign sign. A lot of people have put them next to their campaign signs, like mm-hmm. whatever party they're for. But it's really resonated uh, with people in this day and age. I think it's it's caught a chord that I think, yeah, I think is a good thing. I mean, yeah, you know, I love the third one. I was going to see God's worth in people who vote differently than you do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where we have lost our way um, as a culture and probably from a lot of different places of anxiety and fear and all that stuff, but tension, but yeah, to seeing God's worth in people who are different, you know, that's the, that's the call of the church to build bridges across divides, not walls against each other, to open up our table um, of plenty with each other and with folks that are different, not just for folks that look the same and are the same. You know, the one thing that strikes me that this, this election is a little a little unique it seems to me that there are so many people that are speaking in such aggressive tones about the other and um one of the things that 
that kind of really surprises me in life is that um, there is such aggressiveness like if if one person wins, there's going to be, you know, a civil war or all this. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think there are people that very passionately disturbed about um, what's going to happen on the other side of this. And I just like to tell people, it's like, you know, we're going to make it. Our country is strong enough. We are strong enough. Mm -hmm. If you have faith in this experiment of the United States of America, mm -hmm. which has not been perfect along the way, we have our failings everywhere. But um, I can just tell you that, uh, you know, I, I, I hope and pray that we just kind of take deep, calm breath and kind of realize that, you know, this rhetoric will happen from season to season and time to time. And it's not anything new under the sun. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that's brand new in this season. But I hope that we can find as Christians just peace. In, uh... So, Jeff, you're sharing this text. Who's this from? Somebody contacted Chapelwood this morning asking uh, if we could send them a sign. I guess they're in... Uh... Tell City, Indiana. Yeah. So I think it's, um, coming back to that post, I think it's... Striking a chord. So she wants a sign in Tell City, Indiana. And we don't ship there. Thank you, by the way. My <laughs> pastor used these guidelines in his sermons. And and then, of course, we, we disappointed her and said, I'm sorry, we can only deliver directly to Houston. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, well. Hey, I'm sorry, Carolyn. But, uh, yeah. you know, print it out on some big paper and put it out in your front yard. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll, we'll think about this next time. We'll have these so you can produce them. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, that, that cool. really is. So um, I thought one of the things, so we are um, a week away, and there's going to be just all sorts of anxiety. We've had the debates. We've had everything. I don't know, honestly. People can think what they want to think. I don't think anybody's going to change their mind at this point. It's just they already kind of knew who they're going to vote for or they've already voted. I mean, we've had yeah. more people vote before an election than ever in the history yeah. of our country. So Whitney Allen, who does our external media and stuff here, found this article and I thought it was fascinating because it's some tips for us, right? As we head into election, election day. Night. Yeah. And so number one is pre-schedule some therapy and some rest. <laughs> so number one is... Go ahead this week and call your therapist. <laughs> Can I pay in advance? Book an appointment, okay? Book an appointment on November the 4th, the day after. Because I'm promising if you don't do it this week, they're going to be packed. They're going to be full. So do it now. And even if it's a psychotherapist or a pastor or someone, have that ready on the day after so that you can go and spend this session working out your political anxiety and you can be comfortable knowing that you will not be the only one doing that it's important to talk to somebody so i think matt john i'd like to make an appointment with you <laughs> november 4th we, are you available i am yes i've got one opening you've got one opening <laughs> um the other thing they that she recommended there is not only uh thinking about therapy but rest and i love the analogy that she uses she said when you work out at the gym you stress your muscles you're actually getting stronger but you have to give your muscles time to recover and so 
she talks about how you need to set aside time after this if you're really so this we're primarily speaking to people who are really really emotionally invested in this right Mm -hmm. just mental health checkup for this election it might be a really good idea to plan to either take off work or not plan any activities the day after other than the therapy session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so that you can recover from whatever emotional um, buildup you have going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You're a big fitness guy. You don't work out every day, do you? I, I do. <laughs> oh. When do you recover? On Sundays. <laughs> what I'm man. recovering right now, John. <laughs> what a man. I like that this article says sleep well, like it's yeah. a choice. Yeah, so the second one was sleep well on November 2nd. So they're saying the day before, make sure you go to bed early uh, so that in advance of any stressful days, probably good advice when you're facing anything stressful, and have you know a calming nighttime ritual or whatever it is so that you can really uh, be rested and ready for the next day. But I'm like you, Jeff. If, if I'm in front of something really stressful, it's kind of hard to sleep to well. Sleep. It's not like I could go, tonight, tonight I shall sleep, sleep well. We shall sleep. <laughs> tonight I shall sleep well. You said for tomorrow sleep. will be an anxious day. <laughs> you said you've been sleeping well lately. Any difference in your nighttime routine? You know, I did say that to you earlier. I, for some reason, I have this sleep app on my, app, my watch, uh-huh. and it connects to this app on my phone. Okay. And it tells you, like, when you get up in the morning, like, uh, your heart rates, like, your heart rate dip and your waking heart rate and all this kind of stuff. But I've just, for some reason, the last three, four, five days, I've awakened. And usually it says you're, like, readiness for the day. And it's, like, this big red thing with an emoji of a guy going, <laughs> just, oh, my yeah, gosh. Really? This day is going to be horrible. <laughs> and I usually feel like crap you, the whole you day. You basically, every morning, are waking up to a face slap. Yeah, a, your, a, your an, emo- an emoji going, oh, my gosh, not another day. But lately, I mean, I even, it, I had, like, four or five stars the last couple of days, and I even got, like, a, a medal. I've never, I didn't even know a that existed. Medal. You got a sleep I've never medal. seen it. You meddled. I meddled. For my wake-up condition, and I really don't know that I can tell you why that is, except I, I think, I mean, I have a guess. I think it has to do with, um, it's been a really stressful year. I don't, hey, newsflash. Um, <laughs> Global pandemic. Yeah, it's been a really stressful year. But for some reason in the last week or two, there's just been the sense of calm yeah. And I think I, I think I have moved where I, I think I was also very agitated about or, or anxious about the election and the pandemic and church opening up and, and, and work and, and other people. I mean, all these sorts of things. But it's like, I don't know, somewhere I crossed a line where I began to actually believe the things I was saying. Right. That's what John, that's another good John Wesleyism, right? Preach it <laughs> until you got it. Preach it until you believe it. <laughs> No, I think there's something to that. You have to sort of stay um, calm. You know, you have to keep speaking calm, yeah. even when everything is going crazy around you. And at some point, if you really do want to believe that, I think at some point you, you do get there. There's a, Rumi says, there's a, a, a small poem that he uh, is attributed to him that says, the, uh, that says, the barns burned down, now I can see the moon. Uh, hmm. And there's a sense in which, like, it, this year, like, 
um, we see the links to which our attempt to control um, is not efficacious. It doesn't work. And so when the barn burns down, we see the world in a different way. And there's a sense in which there can be some freedom in that. You know, there's a sense in which I can I can continue to try to constrict, trying to make the world in which uh, in a way that I want it to be, or I can um, I can surrender my life and my will and all that is to to God, and I can I can live in a this Rumi guy. I'm gonna have to. Is his name David Rumi? <laughs> make some Rumi. What is make some Rumi? Make some Rumi. No, I mean seriously. The barns burned down. I can see the moon. Right. That's that's that's, that's amazingly yeah. uh, poignant and so fitting for where. Yeah. That there may be a lot of truth to that. I think even in finding being able to sleep for some reason, yeah. I wake up and my heart rate is so much lower than it has been. And I think that's they say on the app that that's actually what you want. You want to get to the place where your heart rate dips down low enough. Yeah. And that that's what makes you wake up and feel rested uh, and ready to face the day. So I, I don't know exactly, I, mean, I, I don't know exactly the reason why, but I think, um, yeah, just make yourself sleep well. <laughs> just do it. You know what's so funny? I, I mean, we're kidding about this. This is really odd. Sleep is connected to so many like um, healthful kind of um, um kind of connectors, right? I mean, right. in terms of stress and your kind of body being able to be repaired, your, all this stuff is like connected together. The late night. <laughs> all right, so hey, look, you can laugh Adult all you version. want. You can laugh all you want. Comfortable shoes, yep. right? Yes. Um, <laughs> a really nice, soft pair of underwear oh. and, and a mattress. You gotta have a bed that is, that oh, yeah. is not, that's comfortable. That's a mattress. And I would even say, I would say connected to the underwear or socks. Now that they make the same material in the socks. Uh, so if you have comfortable shoes, you got to make sure you have the comfortable socks. Too. Happy. Yeah. The dogs don't need to be barking all day. <laughs> I mean, life is too short. And I, I knew at, at some point, you know, when you're younger in life, you don't have the, the capacity or the wherewithal or the money to to have those kinds of things. Yeah. Like, you know, I, my whole life, I thought it was a size 12. And then one day the guy goes, you're a 13. I'm like, my whole life changed. Oh, my, my shoes, you're 13. I was like, so now I buy 13 shoes and I'm like, I'm happy. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't even know. So these are really good tips for preparing for election day. Where have you been all my life, John Stevens? Preparing for election day. I... Um, here, here's a couple of other uh, helpful tips as we sort of come to the end of this. I love, I love this one. Feel your feelings and grieve. You know, I will say this, and you probably can speak into this, Matt, because you're an expert on emotional capacity. But seriously, people processing loss and grief and struggle and angst... I don't think we do a good job of that in our culture. <laughs> no. We're not honest about that. You know, it, I think I mentioned to you before, Richard Rohr does a mm. great thing. And he actually, I use this a lot, but I don't give it in the clarified sense that he gave it. What I say is that we manifest feelings and fear and anger, but what it really is is grief. But what Rohr said, which I can say on the podcast a little bit more, because I can explain it a little bit more. He says that, that typically people who are more conservative 
manifest their grief with fear. And people who are more liberal, liberal or progressive manifest their grief in a- anger. Wait a minute, am I getting it right? Yes. I think I'm getting it right. And so if you think about just politically how conservatives or liberals or progressives, however you want to uh, term them, and, and they're all over the map defined, they typically, they use these, these uh, emotions very well. So progressives and liberals tend to be very angry about things, right? And conservatives tend to strike into the fear of things changing. Because by their very nature, again, we're not talking about modern day politics. We're talking about the conceptual philosophical principles of what conservatism is, is, is a, a belief that we don't want things to change. To and so if things start to change, you instill fear that things are changing too fast or the way you don't want them to. Whereas progressives or liberals tend to say things are not changing fast enough. And so because they're not, the institutions or whatever they are, are stayed and stuck or angry, we're trying to change them, right? But Rohr says, all that fear and anger is really just grief. Mm -hmm. Everybody's grieving. Yeah. And I don't think we understand that it's grief that it's at work. That's, that's brilliant because I, I, I think that if we were in touch with our sadness, like what would that, I don't know if it's with, at a funeral when someone is crying, I'm always moved to move towards those people, hmm. right? If somebody's on a, uh, if somebody's screaming in that same room, my reaction is to move away. But I think that we don't know what to do with our grief. And that's why I think that when somebody dies in our culture that's uh, famous, there's this outpouring of uh, when I lived in England, you know, somebody dies and there's just like this outpouring of just flowers and stuff that, you know, and I think it's because we have these vats of grief that we store all over our lives in a garage, in a, in a warehouse. And that when it becomes culturally appropriate for us to feel sadness, we pull those out and then we wonder why is this event um, creating, why is it tapped in so deeply to me? Why am I so upset that the guy who plays Black Panther died of cancer? Yeah. Now, that's worth lamenting. Absolutely. It's sad anybody loses their life, but sometimes those things happen, and you're like, I didn't really know this guy. I, I, didn't, I don't have any relationship to him at all. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't have that level of grief for some people that I know in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of tied to what you're saying. Is there, there's a place and a space now on a bigger level that gives me permission and I think also it's like there are other people around me that are grieving yeah. as well. Yeah. Instead of it just me by myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think because um, in our anger and our fear, we do something. It, it, creates an, it creates activity outside of us where grief says you have to stay here. Right. There's mm-hmm. nothing to do. You end up having it has to do something in and through and to you where our anxiety and our fear and our anger creates this deep movement outward, right? I think there's also something, and again, I, haven't, I don't know anything sociologically or psychologically about this, but I can tell you that culturally, ethnically, socioeconomically, um, people grieve in different ways. Yes. And so, for example, as someone who has been in ministry for a long time, predominantly white congregations, socioeconomically in a very stable place, or, or in a, what we would define as a, as, a, as a very stable, safe place socioeconomically. 
it has been my experience that the grief is very muted. The grief is very controlled. The grief is very like put in its place. Where when you look overseas, I see some cultures that, you know, when they grieve, it's very loud. It's very public. It's very corporate. It's very active. There's movement and there's sound. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, And yes. I, again, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not even beginning to guess or explain or put anything other than to it. So I, I'm just saying I've experienced it in my cultural tradition and I see it different in different cultural traditions. And I wonder what are the different ways that we yeah. manifest grief <clears throat> and what are some things we can learn from each other about that? It's really interesting, John. What if, what if grief and our capacity to, um, to walk in grief was really um, the thing that was going to save us. Not being right, not being angry, not being afraid, but um, being, um, being shepherded through, um, through things that, um, that have been deeply sad for us. I, I, I wonder about that. Um, I'm, this will probably be edited out, but I'm, I'm really drawn to the story in um, Genesis where Abraham um, dies. And the only thing he has out of the land seed and blessing that God <clears throat> offers him is a piece of, um, uh, of land that he buries his, uh, his wife Sarah in. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, uh, then he goes and he, he remarries Hagar. Um, and so he is wedded to Hagar and lives the rest of his life with Hagar. Now, when um, Abraham dies, Ishmael and Isaac come together, and they take their father, and they put him in the same grave. That, mm-hmm. um, um, and it, the, the text intimated <coughs> that these two brothers grieve. And as I, as I read that, I wonder, um, is, that, is that the possibility for, um, um, uh, for Israel and for Palestine, for Muslims and for Jews, is the place that they Republicans stand? Republicans and Democrats. Yes, for all those brothers and sisters that have stand and have stood opposite each other and all the things that have happened in between that opposition, is it really just the fact that we need to stand in front of something that we grieve collectively and let that have its way in us? Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe the spirit breaks in and breaks out into something, something else. That's a fascinating way to look at it. I haven't thought of it that way. Well, the last thing, I think there's a couple of other things, but I think we'll end on that. And I I think these last two are important. One is go on a news slash media diet. Get off of Facebook. Get off of Facebook. Get off of Facebook, Twitter, everything. I I think, um, and I've not always been, been, you know, I, I justify using social media for, uh, encouraging purposes for yes. church purposes. And honestly, in the last couple of years, I haven't really wanted to be on social media. I mean, I, I used to have a blog that I blogged regularly this year. I just haven't, I just didn't have the capacity. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's not that there are not things to say, but our society is just so toxic that anything you could say, I mean, you could say Jesus is Lord and someone on social media will attack you for something. Um, and so it's just like, I don't wanna, I, I, I'm in, the, 2020 is the kind of place where I'm already, I already feel harmed by so many things that are outside of my control. I don't wanna put myself out somewhere to put myself in a place where I'll be harmed by people that are supposedly my friends. 
Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because supposedly they're <clears throat> supposed to be your friends. So I put myself out there, and I'm, I'm, that's a vulnerable place to put yourself. Yes. You know, and honestly, I, I, I've shared this a couple of weeks back. I mean, I had like a Jesus salvation on social media. It's like, you put some crap on my comment section, I'm deleting it. I mean, it's not like, this isn't free speech. Uh-uh, this ain't free speech. This is my porch. Grand Torino this is my man. front porch. And don't become spouting that stuff on my front Get porch. Get off my lawn. And you know what? If you go, somebody said, well, how's anybody supposed to know if they put something on there that's going to tick you off? I said, well, if it Try disappears, it. if it's gone, Try I didn't it. like it. And I'm not even talking about ticking me off. I'm just like, I didn't like the tone. I'll, I try to put something on your, your Facebook that you'll delete at least twice a month just to test it. And you do. And I think, I think all of our listeners should just test that out. No, just please. Go to John's Facebook. Don't listen to Matt Russell. <laughs> Are you all on Instagram? Yes. yes. I found out recently that you can mute people's stories on Instagram. It's been a game changer for me. Oh, great. They don't know about it, and you can just not ever see their stuff again, which is beautiful. Well, the last, the last uh, one is really practice gratitude. Get outside, get moving, get your body moving, but, but just tap into gratitude. Be, find the things that you're great, grateful for in life. I mean, I, I think that's the thing. Like I said, people may agree or not agree with us, but every four years, uh, I, I felt the same thing four years ago the rise in energy and Anxiety. tension and fear and anger and all this. And we forget uh, that. And everybody says, oh, this is different. This is different. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think it was eight years before that. I mean, I think every four years, there's this huge thing that's just like, I mean, I remember when people, you know, when Bill Clinton got elected, people thought it's going to be the end of the world, right? And I'm not lifting up bill clinton i'm just saying some good and some bad but the world didn't end right and our call as christians did not change widows orphans strangers alien among us right that's what we're called to proclaim and to be good news to and to share the gospel with. and it doesn't matter who's in political power no. um, again it doesn't even matter as christians if it's a democracy or a theocracy or a dictatorship or authoritarian regime or it doesn't matter the political system doesn't matter we you know Romans says that we submit to the authorities that have been placed over us so we live under those but those are not our ultimate allegiance nope. and honestly I don't put I've said this before if you're a Christian you cannot put your faith and trust in a president to save you and deliver you you cannot put your faith and trust in the Supreme Court to save you or deliver you. you cannot put your trust in Congress or, or anyone else. You do the best, you do your civic duty, right? I think that's important. As Americans, you do your civic duty, but you have to be able to separate the difference between the civic duty and your faithful response to living in this world. Hmm. And for us, that's first. The civic duty is secondary. Secondary, and it's actually minor, because what we do, as you said, as Christians, should not change no matter who the authorities are over us. No. Paul said respect the authorities, and he was living in an empire dominated by Roman oppression, right? He benefited from it some, but he also saw his own people live under subjugation where they didn't have control and they didn't have freedom. Yeah. 
and he saw his own brothers and sisters persecuted. And yet he said, submit to the authorities. So what else? So do your, if you haven't voted, you know, we tell people go vote. You know, if, if you're passionate about it, if you don't want to vote, go hide. <laughs> Take vacation. You know, I mean, are you going to have an election night watch party? No, no. Are you going to watch it at all? I don't, I don't know. All right. Just don't tweet. <laughs> it's not good for people. I will not tweet this time. Yeah, don't tweet. I was tweeting a lot last time. Yeah, don't tweet. Please, please don't tweet. Well, I hope and pray that you will, um, anybody who's listening to this will just hear the things that we've said the last two weeks, particularly around the election, and just find, you get yourself prepared and get yourself in a good place, especially if you've been worked up about this, yeah. you know, and um, it's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. Listen to me. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Jesus Amen. is still on the throne. And according to Pat Robertson or Pat Roberts or whatever his name is, you know, if somebody gets elected, it's going to be the end of time anyway. So, I mean, that's what he said, not me. I'm just, you know. I do think it's ironic, though, that he would, because I, I think he's a supporter of yeah. Trump. I don't think he's saying it's a bad thing. So he's saying the end of times is a good thing. I think that's so he's saying Trump will get elected and the end of times will come. He's, people want the end of times. He's the force. See, I've heard people say apocalypse. if Biden gets elected, the end of times will come. And I, I don't think they mean that in a good way. No. But he's saying it in a good way. He is. Like he's right. But he's like 87 he's or 90, 90 years old. He's like, take me now, Lord. But he's the, same, he's the same guy that was like, well, I mean, hopefully this will be edited out. But like when the when the tsunami happened, it was because of all the gays. No. Right. Is that what he said? Oh, yeah. Every time oh. there's a there's a there is a a natural disaster that happens somewhere. Well, that was him in Falwell. Any like whether any national disaster or 9-11 or whatever, it's God judging us for us not living the way Sodomy. we're supposed to be. So, um Anyway, all right, well, we got to stop riffing. We're going to get into trouble. Anything else? All right. I got nothing. Hey, do your duty. Vote and pray for both candidates. Pray for your friends. Um, and don't speak ill of the candidates or of those who vote differently than you do. Love each other. Love each other. Love. Love. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy.